Welcome to TechnoSocial. In this episode, we interview Carl Smith, research fellow at Ravensbourne University in London, and a man deeply interested in all things psychedelic, immersive, and hyperhuman. In this conversation, we go straight to the jugular, and we explore how context engineering or ontological design can be leveraged by immersive technology, and what that means for the future of humans in the internet age. Don't forget to subscribe and consider supporting us on Patreon. We do hope you enjoy. The Bravely World and mm. uh, Huxley himself. You know, it's, an interesting, it's interesting that he would start with a sort of a, a dystopia and then end with a utopia, with the island. And uh, So does it end with a It's interesting. Well, I, I think in terms of the... Um, the Brave New World Revisited, which I haven't actually looked at yet. Have you looked at that? I've looked at neither. I know the, I know the gist because of I that. think in terms of his thinking, at least, it's like uh, you're seeing... Uh, you're seeing... Yeah, the, 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 the darkness and the lightness. And, but anyway, I, I, we digress. I think that the point of the TV series, which you must watch, is... Um, directed by Grant Morrison and his team. Um, the interesting thing about that show is, is, is where we see the trajectories of ontological design headed, right? So we have the three principles. The three principles are you are put in jail if you are polyamorous. I mean, sorry, monogamous. If you're a monogamous, you, you, you try it, you're, you're, you're jailed. Um, and you also are kind of forced to wear mixed reality as a standard. So you're wearing a contact lens that is an organic computer and you can be seen through, heard through and felt through. So automatically that means the third thing, which is that your, your consciousness is policed because if, you're, if your effective state is measured remotely, through mixed reality, which is what the Fitbit does in combination with, mm-hmm. you know, what you're looking at. Look at Facebook. They've already, they've already cordoned off uh, their section of the metaverse and said, this is horizon, whatever. It's like they're carving up hyperspace. They're carving up our potential uh, in, the, in the Imagineerium. You know, it's like how much... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the thousand years of the rule of the Antichrist as per the book of Revelation. This, the person who wins the current battle will rule for a thousand years. That's what the new agey people speak about regarding the age of Aquarius. I believe that Hitler had a similar type of insight. What Dugan has a similar kind of insight. He calls it the Antichrist. Alexander Barr calls it Cynthios, whatever. Whole point being that the 21st century will see the rise and the optimization of such technologies. You are probably one of the best people out there describing how they will manifest at the cutting edge of technology, we're talking about mixed reality, the implementation of, you know, sophisticated practices for the use of psychedelics and, um, and, and, and other kinds of sort of framing technologies, technologies that frame sort of a ceremonial magic of the self that is able to change perception yeah. at will, highly technological, probably with good UX, probably pay a subscription fee to a nice company to be able to do this to yourself and your own. It's like, uh, you want to build a cult? We sell you a cult for 99 pounds a month. And that might be where it's headed. Uh, what I'm interested in, which is kind of complementary to what you were talking about, is that once the technologies for the creation of these cults, 
for the creation of this extreme multipolarity of belief and self, uh, what are people going to invent, right? Because right now we're still speaking English. We're, we still kind of share a, a sense of reality. I, you know, if I say what's real and what's not real, we broadly agree. If I start to digress into a, narr- into a metaphor or a story, you kind of will understand. But I think there will come a point where the sense-making panorama is just going to be so burned. The mimetic scorched earth tactics used in Nuomahia in global war have gotten to, to such an extent that we will be left with no sky. And uh, yeah. then... Yeah, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, jump yeah, go in. ahead. Go I want to jump in because it's so, so pertinent. It's, it's my, we go back to being mycelium, right? We go back to that point where like, you can have 57,000 different types of sex, right? There's certain species of, of fungi that have 57,000 different choices, not just binaries, not just like, you know... So what does that do? And I think this is the paralleling of consciousness, which was ultimately what we were going to be doing, right? We don't want to just live in this, in this uh, life-death. Uh, we, we, we want to make a, you know, the triple consciousness, the quadruple. And I've already witnessed it in, in, in life reviews where I'm jumping from a point of view in life to an extended um, IMAX uh, field of view in death where I'm able to experience everything from anyone's point of view because I can I can go back into it and I can actually merge with anyone that I've I've seen whilst in point of view so I had you know this experience of going instantly into a reverse so episodes of my life where I was you know um, so I would exp- I, I, my life stopped and I experienced my life in reverse so just imagine that for a second, what that happens as soon as you stop, but you're in your normal consciousness. Yeah. Right? The, the phenomenology of the life review is an incredible thing because it's like, it's the closest we get to sort of understanding that life is just one possible thing of a million different types of existence outside of existence, outside of, you know, we've got to think multiverse, metaverse, we're building it in parallel. You know, it's all parallel processing. And yeah. jumping from point of view to field of view is, is clearly what, what these technologies, these ontological designs, these ontological technologies are going to create for us. We are going to parallel process. We're going to be living in multiple places at once. We're going to be my, like mycelium, just like mycelium. And the, the, clo- the, the best we can do now is to sense like a forest, is to, is to understand that we are, we are plex creatures, yeah. as Grant Morrison says. We are plex creatures. We are multiple personality disorders. The disorder is the point. You know, when you're an omnipotent God, you inject amnesia into the system because it's awfully lonely being a unitary fucking bomb. So you inject amnesia in, and that's the point. Amnesia, forgetting like the flip-flop, you know, coming out of the... You know, you're in a boat like Chris Timmerman. I'm going to hang out with Chris Timmerman on his boat tomorrow. And we have this amazing experience of like just being on his boat in Regent's Canal with all the imperial scientists like sitting there in this crazy part of London where we're all like, you know, you're, you're able to sort of get this, yeah, chumping. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, yes. I'm just all right. Here's, here's to paraphrase Nietzsche. We have forsaken the land and gone to sea. 
We have destroyed the bridge behind us, more so we've demolished the land behind us. Now, little ship, look out. Besides you is the ocean. It is true. It does not always war. And at times, it lies there like silk and gold and dreams of goodness. But there will be hours when you realize that it is infinite and there's nothing more awesome than infinity. What comes to mind when you speak about the paralleling of consciousness? It feels like all these, all these uh, old conceptions of reality will, will get subsumed, if not in 10 years, in 70 years. They will, get un they will go underwater. They're already on that process. Um, yeah. What's going well, like, to happen like to we when, when we start, when we started the conversation about, um, you know, what does it mean to to uh, to have accept the mixed reality that's coming? Right. As soon as Apple Glass comes, that's the equivalent of the smartphone. The iPhone came. That was it. We zombified ourselves. We zombified ourselves because we collapsed the linear perspective given to us in the Renaissance. We we collapsed even further onto the smallest real estate we could imagine. All of our images are made with linear perspective. We don't see in linear perspective. So we fucked ourselves right from the start. All of our media is corrupted. So, and then we put that corrupted media on these tiny little screens and we live in them. So our consciousness has been completely zombified. We've zombified ourselves. On top of the fact we only experience 1% of the visual spectrum, 1% of the auditory spectrum. We have, we've, we've got these brains that build us to survive and survival is all right. We've done that. We need to move on. We need to use it as a black box. Whatever, whatever inputs you put into the brain, it will, it will, you know, work with those inputs. The heroic message that comes to mind because there is nothing else that we can grab onto other than the continuation of this phylum of the tree of life stemming all the way through a golden thread to the beginning of the cosmos, which we have always done uh, in every moment like this, is the following. It is to ride with it. Meaning, you know, what do you do when the world is invaded by ghosts? When the sins of our past are going to become manifest in front of us? There's a Tibetan... Uh, in the Book of the Dead of, the, of, of Tibet, I believe, the, there's a passage about the, the fact that we are, we are going to be haunted by our sins and by all of these ideas and all of these things. And they will be existing in a field that is rhizomatic, that is that where up and down are indistinguishable, where life and death are indistinguishable where it's kind of this mishmash where it's like a dream state, linear coherence breaks down. So what are you doing there? You have to become like a king who is able to go speak to the dead and recruit them, domesticate them, orient them, bar them to create yourself like the, to design what they should exist within to design the vessel. Otherwise you will be sort of dissolved in infinity. And, and, but you know, being, as we come to understand it, uh, goes beyond the structures that we're going to leave behind, goes beyond the bridge that we've burned and the land that we've left behind. Being is something that continues, that creates, that, you know, that says, that says yes and to, to the challenges of, of, you know, whenever some pe people talk about, oh, we need to be careful about surveillance capitalism and we need to be, of course, we obviously do, uh, but... To be careful is what a dying organism dies. To manage entropy, to die a slow death, is like the middle management class of evolution. We are not that. We are kings. We are apex. But uh, that involves sort of an interplay with madness, right? The magician kings, you know, the, he who is afraid of lunatic asylums 
and the cemetery is afraid of power and will have no nothing to to engage with so again for me I, you know, Nick Land is the guy who talks about these haunting spirits. Uh, uh, the, the other accelerationist dude as well, um, Mark Fisher. And for me, the whole point remains the, the one that, uh, you know, intelligence, being sentience, being in time, time itself, these are all categories that are undergoing a massive shift, right? Even linear time is not going to go feeding back into itself. We're going to design past, present, and future. I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I just want to finish with one point, which is... Uh, Invoking intelligences, playing with intelligences, understanding what they are, what they constitute as they flow through us. It's fucking scary, but we're all going to die anyway. We should never forget we're all going to die. And that's a good thing. Or rather, that's, that's a fact that we cannot overlook. It's, it's the most beautiful yes. peak experience. Uh, life is a preparation for death, a meditation on death. Kind of a reshuffling before death kind of... And, yes. and without that, without that, we're managerial class. We are boring. We are managing entropy. We will, it's, it's discussing semantics. It's at best mildly useful. And there's some madness to it. So when you talk to me about mixed reality, I, I, I hear it as, oh, it's ceremonial magic 10.0. It's the grimoire yes. of the 21st century. There's, that's let's get back. Let's get back to that because that's where we started this exciting conversation. So it's like you put on a pair of mixed reality headset, right? You, you, you're either wearing the HoloLens or Apple Glass. Those are the ones, right? Apple Glass is coming. As soon as the iPhone goes into your eyes, you have your peripheral vision back. You're back in the room. Optic flow is working again. Optic flow has so much importance to us and we sit there and we rot and we stagnate and we scroll rot and we scroll rot and we stagnate and we stagnate. Suddenly you're back in the room. Mixed reality opens up this, the whole space. You can practice your peripheral vision just by defocusing your eyes and your whole physiology calms down. If you stare into a whole 180 degree field of view, you're literally like, you're there again. You're back in the context. You're back in the container. You're back in the game. Instead of dying in the peak stuff, come back to your peripheral vision. And it's, you know, it's as simple as that. So it's <laughs> this, we need to go down this hyperhumanist route where we regain our analog abilities, our understandings of our biology, understanding that our, bio, our body is incredibly fragile and limited, but our minds are infinite. And mind creates matter. I think a uh, horseshoe theory applies to hyperhumanism. The extreme hyperhumanism is its own demise. It's the Ouroboric place where it all ties back. Why? Because it's the point of its own dissolution as well. So when you take these communication technology, technology paradigms, such as writing and then electric and then the internet, as per McLuhan, and you're adding something else, which is kind of this, this view of the genealogy of, in your perspective, Renaissance, and then sort of the collapsing of the world into a 2D space, which is reproducible through the electric media, even of our screens, which we still live under. But you're saying that yeah. fucking reality is going to be upended by the inclusion of mixed reality. Uh, and in and, and of view, perspective, that's a good point. Exactly, exactly. You're back in, you, you know, look what happened with Pokemon Go. Everyone was running around motorways trying to catch fictional things in the world again. Yeah. We're so starved of being in the world 
once they release mixed reality with the no touch solution, i.e. you're never going to need to touch another human, COVID friendly, they're co-opting it. They're already co-opting it. The smart city developers in New York, you know, Naomi Klein, look at the new, new screen deal. I mean, she's, she's all over this. It's like, the point is, when you wear mixed reality, and we will wear it because it's going to be so useful and it will put us back in the world and it will stop us zombifying ourselves and it will give us greater peripheral, much greater awareness, which is consciousness. So therefore, like what we're going to be doing is trading our privacy for our freedom. Yeah. Basically, because you think about this, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let, me, let me just take this go, 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 further. Go. When you're, when you're in a, like, uh, when you're in a mixed reality, right, you are scanning the environment. You're turning everything into 3D in as much detail as you can, right? So everything becomes a 3D model. Your view becomes an asset. You are creating another world. You are creating your modeling reality as you see it. You're building reality with your eyes. And that allows you to then superimpose whatever you want. If you want men to disappear, from your field of view, you will delete men and you will have whatever you want there instead. It's already done. And so, you know, you, you know, whatever it is, you're racist. You want everyone to be black. It's your choice. This is what you mean when you say we still share a sense of reality. That reality is going away and context engineering, ontological design is going to be the next economy because we're moving from a content-based economy, which is where we have paintings and we have music and we have objects. We have the subject object. And what's now going to be coming is trans, transjective. It's, it's like we're, we're having the uh, umbrella. We're going to go, we're going to have the ability to um, change all of that content infinitely by changing our perception. Indeed. Um... We're going to be architecting the extensions of our brains by architecting the remaining of our environments. I think important here, and, and it's, it's kind of this simple insight that always works, kind of a rule of thumb, is the hermeneutic circle of, of ontological designing. And Jean-Marie Will is kind of like focused on her, on her sort of fundamental paper on it, which implies that really, like as you design, you are designed. And the implications of this are so massive because they are really rupturing the subject-object uh, paradigm. They are rupturing, they're being ruptured by the breakdown of linear perspective, by losing Descartes and, and killing him and forgetting him forever. The idea that transjectivism, this idea that it's going to be this uh, flow of things. And, and, you know, every project is a project. That's what I say as an architect, as UX designer, and as an ontological designer. Every project is a project. There's not going to be... Uh, a perfect world there's not going to be something that's going to emerge like when people in with the internet uh i like to map these ideas by their negative consequences you need to flirt with dystopia you need to get into your uh sort of you need to tap into the negative potential the machiavellian potential of these technologies otherwise we are blindsided by our own sort of mystical act activisms and mythological activisms that we, you know, people thought that the internet was going to be this wild west of pure information. It's, it's, you know, Plato too mixed with a little bit of Jeffersonian libertarianism, but uh, you know, it's not quite like that. 
the whole point being that the negative things um, that one will be able to do with in, in such an environment are the testament to the proof of, the, of to, the, to the working of the technology, and by doing so, it's like confronting the negative potential of, of this uh, of this technology is like confronting its own ghosts, its own dead kings, our own dead kings through it. You know what I mean? Because that's what we're going to be seeing in there. So the sooner that we confront the negative things that are going to be done with it, the sooner we're going to understand it and rule over it. Otherwise, it's going to ma- manifest as fucked up destiny in front of us, to paraphrase, paraphrase Young, right? So magic is individuation. They're inseparable. And if the process of individuation is not really dealt with properly, it's going to you know, manifest in, in front of you as a, a undesirable destiny. Yeah, and you got it. And there's a lot of power to, to, to what's going to happen in the future. But yeah, then again, you know, we, as we map it as a technology via confronting its negative potential, then we are able to talk about it and collapse it into our own frame of understanding. There, we're mm-hmm. able to manage it, to grasp it, to manipulate it with our hands. We're able to give it a sort of human scale. Why? Because we're mapping us through our own shadows. I was like, if you have no mirrors, how do you see the shape of your body? Like you look at your shadow. And that's kind of a similar kind of process that I think we're going to have to, to deal with. Otherwise, uh, we're only doing, if we're only doing the positive half, then we're going to you know, still be pulled, uh, pulled by the leash of desire, pulled by the hook that is stuck to our, uh, to our libido. In other words... We will be chasing myths uh, of which we are not rulers, but ruled by. Yeah. So there's a hermeneutic well, circle. It's, it's having this, it is. Yeah. It's, it's having that circle. It's having the ability to understand your inner world in the quantified self sense that you, you know, you strap on a Fitbit, you know how much you sleep, you know how much you dream, you know how much yeah. REM you get, you know, whatever. You, you, you've got the inner world, right? And then we have now the ability to measure what's going on in the, in the environment. So what I see mixed reality allowing us to do is to much like I can LIDAR scan, a, a, you know, a ruin and, and make a 3d model, which was the first thing I did out of, uh, out of university was go to Iran and, and, um, and reconstruct the palace of Darius in the middle of nowhere. So I'm, I'm LIDAR scanning this thing into life. But now, you know, I can, I, we, can, we can use mixed reality to give us the past back into our context, but we can also go underground and see the mycelium at work in real time, much like Marshmallow Laser Feast are doing with LiDAR scanning real trees and actually taking digital, uh, you know, getting digital twins of the natural world and understanding real intelligence, like seeing the mycelium share as soon as they have an abundance they will share, understanding it visually, this intelligence, not just in an abstract way, but seeing in real time under the trees, the root systems, the, the intelligence that it's five, you know, this, this the, the mycelium have survived five mass extinctions and we are causing the sixth. So how can we use technology to enable us to see that we are not important 
We are yes. not the important species. The important picture is underneath us and it's, in, it's completely working away around us and it's like maybe getting rid yes, of us. Is. And it's like, you know, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Let, let's see. Beautiful yeah. metaphor though. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Symbolic currency. What is the symbolic currency that's going to translate all of this sort of underground knowledge? If we're going to stick with the subject object for a little bit, bear with me. So what's the, you know, I can create objective symbolic currency, right? A dollar. But in terms of like my own subjective internal underground mycelia ecosystem, how can it be translated to you? My dreams. And how to... How does that work? Because that's you, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy we're having this conversation. I didn't catch the question. Tell me, ask me again. Hey, me so again. I was saying that the symbolic currency, what's the symbolic currency that we're going to use to translate that, which is a little bit more on the subjective side of the spectrum. So money is kind of this uh, abstract yet objective. A dollar is a dollar for me yeah. and for you. But like in my dreams, I might have an experience uh, that really transfers a fuckload of wisdom Maybe I've, I've, the mycelia at work within my economy inside of me have produced. I think you're right. The best, the best currency will become like what, what lucid dream can you generate? Because in a lucid dream, you're generating the context and the content at the same time. That's why training in a lucid dream. So if you're doing Tai Chi in a dream, you have to apply gravity. You have to like, you know, do all the extra work, the contextual work, as well as the content, as well as doing your practice you're having to make sure you stay on the ground. So that's, that's why they're four times, four times more, it's more, four times more effective to do these exercises in liminal spaces that you can generate without taking drugs or without taking any technology. That's what hyperhumanism is about. That's yeah. what hyperhumanism is about. And, and holotechnica is the way to get to hyperhumanism. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about in terms of Ontological design, which is what I was calling context engineering, absolutely the same thing, is just one part of what we're trying to build with this. And if you see Chris uh, Backer's talk, uh, Diamonds from Heaven, um, LSD, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible protocol that he's written um, in, in, in this incredible 23-year journeys. Uh, he goes through... Um, you know what he incredible guy he seven he, he did uh 73 mega doses so uh, above 500 mics over 23 years right so two or three trips a year with his wife as a sitter and uh and he basically it was like a boga right this was like a boat he, he basically continued his journey through those those times so, and it and it went from and I will, I will seriously paraphrase, he went from a personal journey of personal death and rebirth and understanding that he is being reborn many, many, many times. Then he went further into what he called the lake of despair and moved beyond the lake of despair to the, the death of humanity as a whole. Um, and then moved into Plato and moved into the archetypes and ended up like going through the archetypes, through Plato, and finding this other human, this new human, the hyperhuman, as I call it, no, as Heidegger called it, because Heidegger called the hyperhuman first. Um, this is amazing. This, this, mm. this. I, I have to share share the film. He's done an amazing webinar um, yeah, on this, but so. he's also written an amazing book. And then he goes beyond. And that's. And then there's five more years to go of his journeys, where he goes into the absolute light, 
which is a different light to the diff- to the to the lights that we experience. And I think that you know, yeah, don't let don't get me started on light oh, and uh, yeah. consciousness. That's beautiful. Um, man is a process. It's it's a bridge. It's not a man. That's what Nietzsche said. He's like the bridge between the Superman and the and man himself or monkey. And um, another thing that I like to think about is is uh, here's here's an idea. What do people do with memes? They share them. Uh, one of the earliest instincts that humans have is kind of to share food, to share an experience. Here, have this food, and you have a relationship of of eating it and tasting it and confronting yourself and transforming yourself by the consuming of, for example, the food and shared rituals, shared experiences, culture. That's what culture kind of is, is the way that we co-evolve through memes. I think what we're going, we're reaching right now, you know, this, this, this guy that you just talked about, he utilized LSD. And when he came down from that magnificent trip, he um, relayed that story and you relate it as a journey, as I am here, and then I went there, and then I went there. He translated something so immense in the language of linear time, right? Uh, Bard has this really nice idea because in nomadological time, before civilization started, we, time was perhaps more cyclical. It's the eternal return of the same. Every season is the same. The tribe is nomadic, and they do the same circuit every time. Time number one. Time number two is like... Earth. Yeah, yeah. Eternal recurrence of nature, right? I think there's a bridge in between those concepts. I don't want to like uh, say which one or okay. specifically because. But then, that, yeah. So that's time number one. Time number two is like linear time. Is the idea that <clears throat> we start here and we go there? It's progress. It's monotheism. It is civilization. It's post-agricultural. It's technological time. It's where we live now. The train arrives in five minutes for me to go into that place. And this is a whole process. That's why the, the tacit default ideology of civilization today is progress, whether we like it or not, because it's technologically fomented. But then there's like a third time, which is the one that you and I kind of cir- circle around so, so often, which is, in my view, self-recursive, self-feedbacking. So it's literally squaring the circle of time, squaring as in it's time versus time, linear time, versus linear time. What does that mean? That you're like confronting yourself with the process of linear time. What does that do? It kind of breaks the, 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 the Descartes subject-object point of view. And you start to reflect that past, present, and future are a creative project in many ways. And you know this, right? You've, you've seen your life go backwards and forwards. And I've yeah. got intimations creatively in my own humble way. But what this points towards is the idea that, shit, we actually steer this. We actually, it's like the, the gift of, of time is being given to you and it becomes recursive and it becomes sort of a self-feedbacking tool with which to design. And I mean design in this philosophical uppercase D Heideggerian sense because it's like this to design, to be, to what is that question mark? Uh, a very big let question. Me give you, let me give you an example of what we're trying to do. So th- it's an amazing project, right? Um, so we've gone from like strapping, um, you know, um, Cyborg Nest, I'll give you a given instance of, of an ontological piece of technology. Uh, we're to, we're to, so OD techno- technology, we're talking about like, the, the chip that, that gives you the north sense, right? You, you mm-hmm. become a bird. You, you know where the north sense is. It vibrates every time you face 
So yeah. it's something you have to wear all the time, right? This is like a chip. And, um, and yeah, it's a permanent thing. Whereas the, there's a belt that gives you this vibration, um, which apparently you, you, you can take it off after six to eight weeks and, and you, will, you will actually have, have the, uh, the, this sense then. Because it's, it's a much greater amount of vibration and it's, like, it's a, bit of, a bit like stabilizers on the bike that then you remove and uh you know you've got the skill right you take the technology the technology gives you the skill and then you move on mm-hmm. with your own knowledge mm-hmm. and your embodied own knowledge my friend he says to me i don't use the internet i said i go to the internet when i need a big brain i use my 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 own resources first you know and i think that's a fair that's a fair assessment where i'm going i've, I've lost my thread tell me tell me tell me what you think I like. Uh, I, well, tell me where I was. What, what was. what was the last thing we were talking about? But let me let me bring something. Like you are yeah. a. You you have a such you come at it from such a different angle that I do, or, or rather, we come to the Great. same this point uh, uh, from perhaps different angles, right? You you are so mm, connected and, and well versed on sort of embodied technology, intimate technology, the 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 taking. Californian positivism, techno positivism, uh, in a good way, in a good way, and taking it into like its its ultimate consequences. It's like go west, young man, times ten. Uh, yeah, with mixed reality, expand the ever the, the fields beyond wherein humans will be liberated. Expand them yeah. into the virtual, into the embodied technology, wherever. Right, we're in the age of the internet. Progress is going fast, 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 fast. And you're coming to in, you're coming to conclusions, and obviously. That there's there's another side to your work which is philosophical psychonautic which kind of yeah. gifts this techno techno progressivism with a certain with a certain magic and that magic to me is so important the way that i okay that so it, let me you, you, thank 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 you for that because it's brought me back to my thread right so the the time piece right so so i yeah. you know the, the next sense is working on time, right? So you turn time into a subject, into a, into a subjective sense, not an abstract concept. You burn time into your wrists. So with the same technology, you're literally vibrating time. So you have minutes, mm. hours, seconds, you feel it on your wrist, right? You feel it going around. And this is actually a, another project that I'm working mm. on with a, with a good collaborator of mine. And, and, and the question is, right? If once you, you know, when you're watching a YouTube clip for two, for uh, two speed, or, th- yeah. or like, you know, one and a half speed. Yeah. You can't really go back. Once you get used to two speed, hmm. you never go back. Right? And it's like that with time. So this guy, um, he's, he's, he's calling himself the astronaut of time. What he claims is he can do the same. So he can actually start to speed up time or slow time down. Once he's turned it into a subjective sense that he feels oh, on his wrist. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then Shit, you're like, okay, so, you know, if he's, he's, he's claiming he can get a 30% increase in, uh, <laughs> in, time, in, in your sense of time um, in an exam, for instance. So you'd have a 30% advantage over somebody else doing the same exam. Mr. Bezos, take a note. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. So, so this is what I'm saying. So, but then what, think about the t- what, what time means, right? Flow 
if you turn time into a subjective sense and you've turned, you, you know, you've done that cyborgism, you've, 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 you've imprinted, you've sense. imprinted that deeply in, right? So you can't forget time anymore. And my sense of time is amazing. Like even wow. it doesn't matter when I'm, I know the time. Um, but then you really know the time, right? It's, it's imprinted, it's burnt. And he yeah. actually, the early prototypes were burning him. So it was actually burning literally time into his wrist. Um, and it's a human construct time, right? So what, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the destruction of flow? Are we talking about the end of, um, you know, the, the, the potential for an eternal recurrence? Because what, what might be happening is a DMT release at death may be causing your time dilation. Um, and if you, but you, if you know time in a different way to how we know time now, because you've used technology to burn it into your wrist, will you screw up? your ability to have a Nietzscheian eternal recurrence. Okay, no, man. All I can think about is being stuck in the timelessness of post-death forever because time is flowing as if it was human and then you're basically stuck in eternity until eternity this is, is over. Point, and then right? you can... So I'm, an, I'm, I'm, I'm... Exactly. So, so I, th I think this is very dangerous territory when we're messing around with time. Yes, it is. Jesus Christ. This is what we can do. This I'd like to look. Nick Lan has got you know, something. We've got to be very careful what we do. Nick Lan's got something on that called complexity. Um, here's 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 an, an idea that I've been playing around with, which is the um, acknowledgement of defeat and of death and of being absolutely and utterly screwed, and just just the, you know starting from there. Because whenever these discussions happen, there's sort of a conceptual bottleneck, which is is this desirable or not? But I think that's like a limiting question. In other words, we will die, period. We will, the, the species will die. That's kind of something that, you know, once I, when I did psychedelics is one of the most lasting impressions on me was like the, the awareness of mortality of yourself and of the species as well of, of, you know, if you look to the far East, to the earliest, to the beginning of time. And if you look at the far West in the end of time, it's, it's all inspiring because it's infinite in both directions. And it's like, you feel like you're going to fall in each direction. All this to say that this embodied feeling has produced this idea on me, which is the idea that uh, one should acknowledge the feat. There's a reason why the God of the West is a dead God, or rather the celebration of the transcendence of that death on the cross of matter. That mm. acknowledgement of defeat uh, and not necessarily being stuck on, uh, you know, whether it is desirable or not, I think it's interesting. Why? Because if you're thinking if it's desirable or not, I, all of a sudden, you, you know, you're two steps away from thinking with your dick. And uh, I think literally, like, you know, yeah. libido. And, and I believe that, let me just finish this thought. I think that in order to actually flow through the nuogenesis or the phylogenesis or the further, the next stage of the evolution of humanity, whether that means speciation, whether that means Noah's Ark and the deluge, whatever that means, uh, the attitude that one must have must be the attitude of a king, of uh, the possessor of master morality, of the possessor of the, of, of, of a person who's confronted the angst of death somehow. And you know this because you've done a fuckload of psychedelics. So it's this idea that defeat is the constant and the starting point. We, it's, it's called the fall for a reason. And that's kind of also, uh, it 
purports a certain higher level of, of heroism somehow. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, just, this conversation yeah, with let, time is extremely scary. Yeah. Well, let me quote you. I mean, uh, to, to go back to this idea of transjectivity, right? So let us move beyond duality and non-duality to plurality, hybridity, and transjectivity, right? So we really need to understand that we need to destroy this subject-object. It's, it's going to, we need to go beyond. Even if we don't beyond. want it to, it will. That's my point. It will. Absolutely, your point. And uh, I also think if you look at people like Zach Bush, who works in the OC, uh, you know, he's, he's in those uh, emergency rooms seeing people die. And he's telling us um, yeah. those people that are being brought back from death are being uh, are invariably saying, why did you do it? Why did you bring me back? You're, you know, I, I'm, I'm experiencing an expansion of consciousness right now. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. So I believe, and I've bear, borne witness to this, that, that death is not the end. It's not even the beginning. You know, this is the dress rehearsal we're in right now. And all these transhumanists trying to stay here haven't got a clue. This is not where it's at. This is just point of view. We're going to dive into field of view in death. And in field of view, we have access to everything we've lived in this life. So you break into a multiverse because you can go into any author you've ever read. You can go into any person you've ever been with. I think mm. karma is actually, is whatever you've done to somebody that harmed them, you get to experience it as them and you at the same time, obviously. Because where there is no time, no space, I mean, sorry, where there is no time, there is just this ability to explore. We just add this following thing, which is why the do unto others as you would have others do unto you is actually similar to as we create our tools, they create us in return, which is kind of the way that transjectivity seeps down into four and three dimensional reality. We perceive it as this hermeneutic circle. As I do, it is done to me. As I witness, uh, as I witness, I am the witness as well. But uh, once we go beyond sort of this dimensional barrier, uh, yeah. it gains another form, which because we haven't died yet, we can't really formulate. So we kind of... We go beyond it by breaking linear perspective, by immediately... Three, we, we're not going to take photos anymore of the world. We're going to be taking 3D models of it. And therefore, we make reality because we can turn anything that we have into assets, into deep fakes, into other realities. You know, you will, we will, you will have Photoshop on the world. Which are exchangeable and which can be designed with the purpose of designing people rather than the things in themselves. So exactly. the, the affective potential of architecture, of temples, of space, is going to, to come to the forefront. The affective potential of experience itself and how it designs people is going to come to the forefront yeah. because you're going to be by angles, as per the book of Toth, by angles, you're going to be interfering with that which lies beyond. In other words, yeah. here you do hermeneutic circles beyond whatever, like X, X, right? But you're going to be interfering with that X by, by virtue of these hermeneutic circles. You're going to that's the co-creativity of, of reality. That's, the, that's, that's squaring the circle of time.
Exactly. And it's also this idea that, you know, we're all seeking meaning, constant meaning, but actually it's being. It's, yeah. it's all about being. Right? Yeah. Let's get rid of peak stuff, peak ideas, peak everything. Just, you know, just jump into being. Mm. Jump There's into context. sun behind you, bro. Yes. With a face, <laughs> of course, with a face. <laughs> um, Precisely. Wow. So yeah, what, what a conversation. But I also think if you look into Bernardo Castro, I'm not sure if you read or looked into his stuff, but he's talking about these disassociative alters between the non-duality and the duality, right? So we, we disassociate between, and, and, we, and this is why we, on Chris's boat tomorrow, I'll be going from the non-duality. You know, to, to, it, it's, 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 it's all about memory and, and, and remembering. It's, yes, it's like it is. Forgetting and remembering. So it's, tell me about those altars. About. Altar with like a shrine? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Dissociation altar is like your, it's like a tulpa. This is his term. So the disassociative altar is what's, is what's giving us perception, is what's enabling us to experience reality. Perception is the disassociative altar between the, the duality and the non-duality. I mean, it's, um, it's, 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 it's basically amnesia is at the core of reality, right? So that's the, we've written that's, reality... We've written reality. We've we've made ourselves forget. We've injected amnesia. As we inject, it's let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is uh, uh, monotheism, or and the ego, as it is commonly understood. In other words, you know, waking consciousness and reason, and the part of me that says, "Yo, I'm Daniel. What's up?" Uh, that is, but one tulpa among many, if you will, but one shrine among many, which will turn to dust. But yet there's a purpose for it being enshrined. And purpose being to garner and to, to ex- experience positionality, duality, to experience time, to experience space, to experience up, down, left, right, life and death, <clears throat> to experience pain, burning, cold, love, pleasure, pain. Um, and these are all things that are very much of properties of Malkuth or of the kingdom or of 3D reality for you, if you will, right? But obviously these affective states, that as they change, uh, we enter into other things and there's an interface with them. That interface is the hermeneutic circle. As far as we can tell from this side, you know, from the other side, there's probably other ways to formulate it. And so that's why when you speak about these hyperhumanisms, I'm okay with that because I know that like your point of view is not, you have that vantage point. There's a sort of formulation of the absolute from which you start to conceive of these things, which is not, not of the old millennia. It feels like it's more proper of a time where time is going to be dissolved. It's going to be proper of, of the collapsing of the time horizon as per Nick Lyon, right? Nothing makes it out of the near future, precisely. What after? Well, after is already fucked as a concept. So how do you experience reality? That's what I talk about when I talk about like the mad Abraxas. That's what I talk about, about people who are scared of the lunatic Abraxas. asylum. And tell, us, tell us about Abraxas. Tell us about Abraxas. <laughs> Abraxas, right. come on. Yeah. Give us a lowdown. 
as far as I know, like it's just this 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 Gnostic God that is pre everything, that is just mad being, unformulated, undifferentiated, but always present. It's like formulation, articulation, just 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 um, very maddening to even conceive its infinity and, and its existence or lack thereof. It's I don't know, man. It's hard to conceive. It's really kind of an intimation. And so the whole point of it is like, what does the madman do? What does the madman do? They 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 are a little bit closer uh, to that edge uh, and, and maybe they, you know, they get a little bit drowned by being close to that water uh, and it's fine. It is what it is. I mean, we're all going to die anyway, but it's by being close to I've that. Got one, I've, got one, I've got one question for you. Um, Let me just finish one point very quickly, on, which is uh, you know, madness and to be the potential of madness of schizophrenia of schizoanalysis in this case, not necessarily schizophrenia as a disorder, but schizoanalysis as the process that, that Deleuze spoke about. There's a potential there, which is the potential to create. Why? Because it accelerates the hermeneutic circle. It, so it, it kind of dissolves reality. Really. Sorry, go ahead. Ask the question. No, it's, yeah, it's, um, the question is, Knowing our discussion about Brave New World, um, the, the vision that Grant Morrison's given it uh, a, a bit of a kick. Um, what do you, what, how, do you, how do you see us escaping Brave New World as it is, in, is, is envisioned in that TV series, even though you haven't seen it? Brave New World is the escape. Uh, it's, it's kind of this paranoid escape from the ocean of infinity. It's like, oh my God, it's so awesome. I cannot even fucking bear to look at it and to become the king that I'm supposed to by virtue of being incarnate. Therefore, I will just drug me, you know, take me by the lead, deterritorialize me, daddy. Literally take me by the fucking leash. What, what is BSDM other than that? Other than the literal physical manifestation of the card 13 of the tarot, desire. It is that. Yeah. Because it, t- it, takes a fuck, it takes a fucking king to take off the leash. Yeah. Uh, and we are here and that's okay. I'm not like blaming people, but that, like, that's kind of a fucking paradigm really. That's where libido, desire, and, and the interplay between ourselves and desire is what creates vessels, right? And- uh, have, you made any, have you made any sigils? Uh, no, I can't say I have. Only like in, in a very intimate, personal type way. Yeah. What I work well, on is kind of it, contemplating on the sigils, though. I do that. I contemplate on sigils and ideas and, and abstract things. That's yeah, nice yeah. Because it's really about what they do to me rather than me wanting to do something in the world with them. Into the world, I just yeah. pour hard work, but into the self, I pour contemplation. Because that's, that's, that's kind of how I see action at a distance. It's just switch the order of things. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting. And they it's meant to be probably a ten-minute chat. Might uh, you know we've got to we've got to save it, save some for the for the new Stoa series. But it's uh, been a pleasure, my friend. 